part two, I bet that this morning you woke up with the same question on your mind that I've had all week. What is the one thing that I need to be afraid of when it comes to being open to the Holy Spirit? You were thinking of that, right? I bet you that you're dreaming. About, no? Well, I have. And I've been thinking about that a lot the last couple of weeks. And there is actually something that, there are legitimate fears, I mean illegitimate fears, and there, I believe, at least one legitimate fear, something that we need to be concerned about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to talk about that today. I know that we come from different backgrounds. This is the nature of our denomination. Some people are Wesleyan, some are Methodist, some are Brethren, some are Mennonite Brethren, and that's, uh, people feel comfortable here because we aren't really extreme on either wing. Um, So we come here with different backgrounds, different experiences, and some of you have had um, experiences with people claiming to be led by the Spirit, and it's just gone wrong, and so I understand that. And so for that reason, uh, perhaps you have closed yourself off a little bit to some of of these um, kind of maybe weird and crazy workings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that's not legit. That is legit. I know you, and you're, you're good people. You, you think well with your brain. So, um, but maybe we've closed ourselves off to something that the Spirit is actually trying to do among us. And so I just want to address some of these possible fears and then cross them off as we go. And then I want to leave you with um, a fear, um, scripturally speaking, that I believe we should have. In the Bible, everything we do, especially when it comes to speaking about the Holy Spirit, we want to be biblical, we want to be scriptural, and so we, everything needs to be grounded in the Holy Bible, and so that's what we're doing today, which is why I hope you have your Bibles with you. We will look at one main passage specifically, there'll be others that we'll be flipping through, and if you just want to open up that main passage when we get there, that's fine, I've got other verses up on the screen for you, and they're also uh, in your notes. So, let's begin. What is the one thing that we need to be afraid of? Just a second, I forgot my remote. When it comes to being open to the Holy Spirit. Let's get a little bit, pretend we're all like a seminary class. If you've ever been to Bible college or seminary, you know these words. If you haven't, I would like you to at least understand the concepts of exegesis and eisegesis. If you haven't heard those words before, it's fine because it's not even English. Okay, it's a Greek word, exegesis and eisegesis, but it's very important for us to understand the concept because it will help us to understand anything from the scriptures, anything about our theology, anything about our belief in who Jesus is. There's these two concepts of exegesis and eisegesis. There's room in your notes if you want to draw a picture there or take some, some notes on this. But what is um, exegesis and eisegesis? Exegesis, you know, like exit, Okay, so it, we can, our language comes, English comes from all sorts of languages, so if you see ex, it probably means exit, it does. It means out of. And uh, Jesus is um, not, you know, Jesus Christ Jesus. It's uh, from a different root, it means to lead. Okay, so exit Jesus means to lead out of. And this is our goal. Whenever we read the Bible, we're trying to exegete the scriptures. So if I were to draw a picture, it would look like this. So here's the scriptures, and it's coming out of the Bible, from God's Word, summarized very briefly, start with the text and you move from there. You start with the Bible. That's easier, I mean, not as easy to do, actually, because we have so many preconceptions. Our culture forms how we think. We are Western and uh, we've grown up, many of us have grown up with privilege and we have concepts that we don't even know exist that aren't actually from the Bible. We take them in there. So, We need to 
as much as possible, get into the scripture and let that jump out at us. But often we do eisegesis. All of us, including myself, we are just, I'm not pointing fingers and say we are guilty of eisegesis, which means you lead into. So we have ideas already, for example, of the Holy Spirit. We know what's legit, what's not legit. And then we go to the scriptures and guess what? There it is. See, I was right. You can have preconceived ideas. You can have any kind of, almost anything. And go to scripture, you'll find it. It's funny how that works. And maybe you know of other believers or brothers and sisters that think differently than you on the scriptures. Okay, that's not really a major issue. But some might be major issues. And you think, how can these, because one of us or some of us are leading into, we have an idea of what, we already know what God is like. And then we, we find, oh, there it is. See, and you can justify almost anything. And you have probably seen and heard and read about people who have justified all sorts of actions and behavior based on scripture, right? We're guilty of that. So it's difficult. We need God to help us not lead our eyes into. So if I were to draw a picture, it would look like this. We have a preconceived idea, and I think maybe we want this to be true. Maybe we don't want it to be true, but whatever. I'm going to go to the Bible, I'm going to find it. There it is. It's true. See, I'm right. This would be summarized, bringing a preconceived meaning, like some sort of, I already know what's true, and then we go to the Bible and we find it. We need to, as much as possible, exegete rather than eisegete. As you read Jesus' stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice that some of the people he spoke to were actually doing this eisegete. They knew the Jewish scriptures really well, what we call the Old Testament, and yet they were still leading into and Jesus was correcting them, and they, they were, anyways, this happens a lot. It happened back then, it happens today. So these are some concepts, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Let us look at the scripture, okay, if it's there, it's coming out at us, rather than whatever ideas we have, and, then, and I can't tell you if you're doing it or not, you just kind of need to be wise enough to figure out, okay, I guess that idea I had, maybe my Sunday school teacher, you know, he meant well, but... I realized that's not really in here. It was he was bringing some preconceived idea. Maybe you think I'm doing that sometime. That's fine. You need to look at the scriptures and find out what is coming up. So especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit, let's be scriptural, period. Okay, let's begin. You don't need to remember those words, but the concept is important, isn't it? What are some things that we may be afraid of? First one is a fear of people. Perhaps there's a fear of our reputation. You know, what, what will people think of me if, uh, if I like, just start speaking in tongues? Or what, for example, what would people think of me? I feel God is asking me to do this, but yeah, I'm going to look stupid. So we might have a fear of people, but I just want to ask you um, this question. Are you open um, to the possibility that you could be wrong? in whatever it is that you believe. Does anyone have a perfect understanding of God? Is your theology perfect? Like no one, we're all a little bit heretics. Some of us are more her heretical than others, but perhaps something we believe is wrong. You need to admit that if you ever want to search for truth. If you just think I've got it all right, you're not going to find truth. So can you admit that maybe I could be wrong in some of my beliefs? If you want to find truth, you need to at least understand that you might be wrong. So if you are open to that, do you have the courage to change your behavior or to change your thoughts if you were shown 
that your interpretation of Scripture was faulty. I'm not saying just because someone said it, but if the Scripture, according to Scripture, that you've, oh, I guess I was mistaken. Are you willing to change your beliefs? Of course we're going to say that, but it's harder when it involves our reputation. Some people, uh, actually some, yeah, this is holy, the Holy Spirit, the workings of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit can be one of those areas where like, I'm pretty sure the scripture says that, but I'm not going to teach that because of what people might think of me. I might lose my job or whatever or at work. So anyways, this might be the fears, but we're going to cross that one off because uh, there was a song we were just thinking, right? Be Thou My Vision. And uh, every time I think of songs, I never get the words. Yeah, and Joyce, you usually are the ones who get, say it louder. Man's empty praise. And there's something else too about no, whatever. But that was not the one I was thinking of, but that's a great one. Cross that off because of that song. There we go. Another one might be a fear of God not showing up. Have you ever had that experience where you pray um, for something and then it doesn't happen and you're like, oh, that's kind of, sorry. I feel, I feel bad. Uh, maybe it's uh, someone's praying for, um, for healing or someone's asking for uh, a certain job and you pray and you pray in faith and then God doesn't show up. Right? And so I, I hate when that happens. Don't you? No, we know that God is not going to answer the prayers just because we prayed and just according to our ideas of what we think is, is good. But some of us have had this experience, and so then so I, maybe I'm not really going to like ask as boldly. So we might say things, you know, like, God, if it's your will, then you can do this, right? So or if it's not, it's okay too. You know, whatever. Therefore, we're, we're kind of letting God off the hook, right? Because if he doesn't... It's okay, right? So we need to recognize that sometimes we're afraid that God might show, uh, of his, uh, that he may not show up. Who likes to mini golf? Some people. And uh, we, oh, uh, growing up, uh, my family, we went to this place called Muskoka Bible Conference in Ontario. And there's campers and there's cottages and there's hotels. And it's, it's kind of like VBS all summer long. And there's a, a different speaker would come in and a different worship team comes in in the morning and evening there's there's chapel times and there's children's programs so my parents had a trailer up there and my dad was a teacher and my mom um, just worked at home so every summer like I was hanging out at this conference grounds and some weeks friends would be there for a week and I could hang out with them but some weeks there was no one that I really knew so I hung out at the mini golf course and so I got to know the staff and I never had to pay because like I was I don't know one of those Rink rats, like the arena, just always there. So I played mini golf all day, and I got really good. There's 18 holes uh, in mini golf, right? So when you're in the same course over and over again, you know where, you know, somewhere the boards don't bounce as much here as they do there. And, um, and you know where to, it's the right weight and everything. And so I got to the point where I could get 31 or 30 on 18 holes, which means there's several hole-in-ones in there, and you don't ever get more than two on a hole. Now, I could not do any other mini golf course. I'd be like, but just this one, because it's all day long, right? That's what I did. But I'd play with my brother sometimes, and he just annoyed me. And so I'm, I'm there. I'm like, you know, testing. Okay, that's how hard it is. You do lots of practice, right? And then you line it up, kind of like if you play billiards, you're going to bounce it up there. Wait, you know, check the wind, whatever. Stretch a little bit. And, you know, I might get a hole in one, or at least I get two. My brother goes up, and he just, like, swings and... I said, do you even try? Like, I don't, did you even look through where the hole was? He's like, no. I'm not disappointed when I miss. 
Because I'm here to have fun. Like, I don't want to get frustrated. So, so, what? so I know you don't mini golf like that, right? But do you pray like that? You know, it's no oh, whatever, God. If you don't it's okay. If you don't have it's fine. Sometimes we're afraid. We don't need to, we don't need to protect him. And sometimes we, our prayers are not answered because it's just really like not the thing God wants us to pray for. Right? But if there are promises in the scripture that God is honest, I want you to be bold. I don't necessarily want you to be bold that you get a big house and a pool and everything necessarily. But scripturally, if there are some promises in there that, that Jesus said, be bold and praying for those. Don't worry about if he's not going to show up or not. So for example, Luke chapter 11, Jesus says something like this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who dock, knocks, the door will be opened. Let's keep continuing reading what really each of you fathers, okay, this could refer to mother as well, but in his time, if your son asks for a fish, give him a snake. And I know that doesn't really happen these days. I've never, actually we did, yeah, one of our kids did ask for a fish one time as a pet, but we did not give him a snake. Or if he asks for an egg, you know, that but we'll give him a score. But that doesn't, you know, but the idea is, if you're asking for something, where are you going to give him something really, like, awful? Though you are evil, yikes, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is a promise. Ask. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Be bold. So give us, empower us to do what you've called us to do. Give us your spirit. God loves to give these things. So this is a promise. Another one. In Acts chapter 2. Uh, the day of Pentecost. Remember when uh, Jesus had ascended and said, I'm sending you someone greater and it's actually going to be better for you that I'm going because this counselor is, is coming. So they waited for a while. The Holy Spirit came down on them. They were empowered. Lots of people became Christians. And Peter said that during that, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just as kind of an aside, but not really an aside, I just wanted to highlight those words, and be baptized. Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just read those words. Do we behave that way? Not, not always. Why is it repent? Isn't it just repent and or be baptized? That's often how we live, right? You can be baptized if you want. Repent or be baptized or, or just repent. English, we have so many different translations, right? This is NIV. You might have the ESV version. You might have the Living Bible. You might even have the message. Every single one I looked up, King James, New King James, NRSV, ASV, they all say repent and be baptized. It's very clear. In the original languages, it never, ever, no one ever says or, and no one ever says scratches it out. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So maybe we have prayed, like my brother, mini-golfs, 
But when there's a promise that's been given to us in scriptures, will you be bold and to ask for it, to pray for it? Like, pray like I mini-golf, rather than like my brother mini-golf's like, line it up. I want that. I want that hole-in-one. I'm praying for it with boldness. So we may have a fear of, um, of God not showing up, but we're going to cross that one off. That's not up to us. That's up to God. And remember, Jesus' brother said, sometimes you don't get just because you don't ask. Some of us have stopped asking, haven't we? Because we did ask, and he didn't show up. So forget it. Why are we going to ask again? Some of us may have a fear that God actually will show up. And that's kind of scary. Isn't it? The Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, so when we say we need more of the Holy Spirit, we're saying we need more of God, actually. And if we're afraid of the Holy Spirit, does that mean you're afraid of God? Well, yes, because the Holy Spirit is God. It's God's presence among us. He's not here in person, in flesh, like he was in Jesus' day. He's here in his spirit. And this is his power. This is his presence. And so we need more of God. Are we afraid that God might show up? Yes, we are. You know, we've heard, oh, I don't want to ask God, just, uh, just, you know, I'll be a missionary, but not, you know, to like Greenland or somewhere cold. Hawaii, yes. So I don't really, I don't really want to ask God to send me anywhere because he's probably going to send me somewhere I don't want to go. Is that true? It might be. Actually, yes, it is true. If we ask God to direct us, if we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, he will guide us and direct us to somewhere we normally wouldn't go in our own strength, and our own natural inclinations. It doesn't mean he's going to send you to Greenland or something like that, but he will lead you to the way of the cross. That is following Jesus, and sometimes it can be painful. It won't be extremely enjoyable, but it's always what's best for us. And so sometimes we're afraid. I don't really want to pray with boldness because he may, you know, and it's going to affect my children, and like, you know, later... I'll really pray with boldness, but not right now. Sometimes we're afraid, aren't we, that God actually might show up. Behind this fear is, the, is a belief, a wrong belief, that God isn't really good. Do you believe God is good? And he gives good, like good, good, and loving. Then, then we do not need to be afraid if he shows up. And if he guides us to do something we normally wouldn't do, it means it's good. It's good for us. And if we're left to our own... Um, what's the word, desires, our own inclinations, we probably wouldn't go down the way of the cross, would we, of self-sacrifice and putting others first. But the Holy Spirit will guide us in these ways. And also, God is sanctifying us and cleansing us and purifying us. And, you know, sometimes that hurts. We make mistakes. You know, we sin. We screw up. And to correct some of those things or to remove some of those things from lives, it, it, it's painful. On the other side, it's really awesome. But the process, many of us think, you know, I know I need to do this, and I know this is what God wants, but it's going to hurt so much, I'm not doing it. Have you ever been there? Because I have. So we're afraid that I don't really want to pray because God might actually show up. And first of all, it might be scary, it might be uncomfortable, and they might have to do something I don't want to do. Don't forget, God is good, and he loves you. Many of us have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We're seeing the movies, right? Many of us stopped at that one. But some of us have read the entire Chronicles of Narnia. I haven't. But I do know about the stories. 
in the voyage of the Don Treader, uh, there's a boy named Eustace, um, apparently. Okay, so I haven't read the book, but I'm telling you what I know of the book, so if I'm wrong, correct me after. But this boy named Eustace found a treasure. Right? He's like, oh, this is awesome. I love this treasure. And he sat on it or hoarded it, and then uh, what happened? He became a dragon. When he woke up in the morning, he wasn't a boy anymore. He's, what was on the inside had become what he was on the outside. Desires on the inside actually reflected who he was on the outside. He was this dragon. He's like, this is awful. Now I'm separate from like, people. I'm all alone. And like, I'm kind of, this is, I hate this. And so he'd scratch off the scales and the skin, and, and there'd be another layer. And like, another layer. He's trying to get back to being a boy, and he can't do it. And then it shows up. Aslan shows up. He shows him this pool of water. Maybe it's a lake or river. Like I said, so I haven't read it, but it's like, and just knows if he can just get in, submerse himself in the water, that everything would be, his pain would be gone. But it's hard for him to, to get, he can't somehow. I, if you read the book, you know that he can't get there. So um, Aslan helps him. And, um, and he gets into the water, and then when he comes back out, he's like, it's done. Like, all the, the skin is off. His dragon skin has been torn off, ripped off of him, and he's back to being a boy. Painful process. Decisions that we've made are clinging to ourselves. When we have sinned, we've, we've messed up, and we hurt others, we hurt ourselves. When the Holy Spirit comes, who is God, when he comes, he wants to make us whole. He came to give us a wonderful life, right? John 10.10. 10. Not just, not simply, I don't want to put this down because forgiveness of sins is huge, but he came to forgive us of sin and give us a wonderful life. Like that's what he means. And it includes everything. He wants you to wholeheartedly be a person of love and completely renewed. And we're constantly being renewed, but the process might hurt. And because you know it hurts, sometimes you don't there. We're afraid of what might happen. We're not necessarily afraid of the outcome, we're afraid of the process. So, let's scratch that one off the list. So, open your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 to 21, and here we will see, here is a legit concern. Something you do need to be afraid of, not these other but there is one thing I believe we need to worry about we need to show concern about when it comes to being open to the Holy Spirit. Again, just right out there being transparent, my purpose for doing these sermons is to get you to what? Sign up for the Holy Spirit encounter, which is happening on Friday. It's in your notes. This is not a hidden agenda. I need you to be open to the Spirit, right? I, I can't live as a solo person. I need community. And I need people who have different gifts that God has blessed them with. I need people who are apostles and teachers and, and encouragers and artists and people be, to, to be part of this. I'm incomplete without that God has made us to be in community. And God has empowered you. He's given you something for us. We don't get gifts to, for ourselves, right? We don't have a gift of teaching to stand in front of a mirror and teach ourselves. That's stupid. Any gift that God has given us, it's for the people right here around you. It's for the building up of the church. And so I need you, you need me, the people around you need you, you need the people around you to be open to the Spirit. How? Some of you, I know I've never spoken in tongues, but some of you have that gift, and maybe you haven't 
been encouraged to practice it. Some of you have the gift of prophecy. Not everyone does, but you need to be encouraged to practice that. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Some of you have all, whatever it is, we have these gifts. And so I need you to be open to the Spirit. What we need to be afraid of is this. Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. I remember reading these. I was a Bible quizzer. I memorized these. Hey, do not quench the Spirit. I don't think I am. You know, I'm open. Whatever. So it's like I don't, do not quench the Spirit. Right? Do you ever think, okay, this doesn't relate to me, it relates to other people. But then look at the next verse, or next part of the verse. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. And then you might feel, oh, yeah, okay. You know, if someone comes to you and says, oh, I have a word of the Lord, maybe from experiences you've had or, or the way you, you think about the scriptures or theology, you know, whatever, right? If God's going to speak to me, he's going to speak to me. And so we treat prophecies with contempt sometimes. But the gift of prophecy is a gift given to the church. Part of who God is is that he's an interactive God. He loves speaking to us and he loves communicating back and forth. Even in the Old Testament, there were prophets, right? You can name some of them. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel are the big ones, and there's lots of other ones. In the Old Testament, when people wanted to hear from God, they went to the prophets. Or probably actually the prophets went to them. Okay, so hear God's word. What happens if when they wanted to speak to God, who was there for them? The priests. We've got priests and prophets all through the Bible. And priests were the ones that would speak to God. So people would bring their prayers, uh, bring their sacrifices, and then the priests would go into, into the presence of God on behalf of the people and like speak to them. So the priests would speak to God on behalf of the people. And the prophets spoke to God's people on behalf of God. That's how it always was. It shows who God is and how he's very interactive. But now we live in a new era, the era of the Spirit, the era of the new covenant. We live after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And Revelation chapter 1 says this, God has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. We are priests, we are prophets, we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. There's also other verses, also in chapter 2 again. Peter's quoting from the Old Testament when he says this, he says, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. It continued, and so when we see verses like this, and there are many prophets in the New Testament, there's some references, in, there's um, Agabus and Philip, he had like four daughters, it says, who, who prophesied. And we would expect, what would you, since the day of Pentecost, since God's release, this unleashing of the Holy Spirit, would you expect more prophets or less prophets? Right? We expect more. There is more of this. We are priests. We are prophets. We are kings. Um, when I say that, Jesus is the king. We are, uh, we're a priesthood. And so there are more people are prophets these days than there was back in those days, according to the scripture. In the New Testament, there are people labeled as prophets, and they speak to people, God's people, on behalf of God. We expect more of this. And so someone comes up to us and says, I've got a word of God, I've got a word from the Lord for you, and um, I've had that experience where it's kind of like, that makes it very awkward, because like, how can I like, not agree with, because you can't disagree with God. 
I guess if it's a word from, right? So it's, it's almost like abusive or it's just like, it's like a power trip or something. Like, are you trying to get me to do something? You know, so I mean, I do my best to say like, when I ask someone to volunteer for something, it's not like, maybe I was praying and your name came to mind. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna ask, but I'm not going to like say, God told me that you're supposed to be a Sunday school teacher for the next five years, right? Because that would not be, you know, sometimes people do use this wrongly. But we can't use that as an excuse to shut it off. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 10 and 28, and then there's more verses here. Acts 21, 9 to 11. We have been, some of us have been empowered with the gift of prophecy, which is speaking God's word, God's message to others for the purpose of encouraging, not for the purpose of putting down. Some people feel that they've been given the gift of whatever, like a lot of bloggers out there feel like they're, they're a prophet and they're going to cut down the church and so everything that's all wrong. But according to scripture, it's for edifying, building up the church. And so um, that's the purpose of, of prophecy. I'm speeding up through it, but there it is. Do not quench the spirit. It says, do not treat prophecies with attempt. Now, next words. But test them. We don't want to quench the spirit by like treating prophecies with contempt. But this is really nearly except every single person that says they have a word from the Lord, right? We test them all, every single one. So someone has a word of the Lord, someone has a message you think, don't put it aside. You test it, every single one of them. Test them all. You see, sometimes when I say things to you or like to someone in my family, I feel I'm saying the words perfectly, but it comes across differently. You ever have that experience? Like, no, that's not what I said. It's not even what I meant. It wasn't because I was speaking wrong. I mean, sometimes it's my mistake, but sometimes I'm speaking perfectly clear, but for whatever reason, this person hears it differently. Sometimes that happens with God. God speaks perfectly clearly, but like, okay, I, I hear it differently. Can you see how, how we could maybe make mistakes when we hear God? Not that God is making a mistake, but it's hard for us sometimes we mishear, or we hear the words with, oh, I know what it means. So it's important for us to test all of these words, all of these prophecies in community with others, not just, you know, singly, solo by yourself. How do we, how do we test uh, these things? Paul writes, two or three prophets should, should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. We need to test uh, don't grieve the spirit. Don't show pro- contempt on prophecy. Like, you know, weigh them carefully. Others do this in community. So, for example, I'm going to give you a few tests that we can use. These are three different tests that you can find references for in the scriptures. We won't flip to those scriptures right now, but I'll tell you what they. I'll tell you what they're referring to. Uh, first of all, a prophecy. If someone has a word from God, and I mean the fine. Their moral character needs to kind of match the, the word. So if somebody is, is just completely acting immorally and they're like, there needs to be some sort of fruit, right? Good fruit comes from good trees. Bad fruit comes from bad trees. It doesn't need, we can't be perfect, but there needs to be some a humility. There needs to be some sort of match. Okay, so some sort of character 
Does that make sense? Character is really important. Often we think results are what's important, and so we're success-driven, we're driven by these results, but God is more often concerned about our character. And so does the person's character match? I mean, are they even believers in Jesus Christ, for one thing? And uh, so that's found in Isaiah. Also, the number two, Deuteronomy 13, to 5. Sometimes there are false prophets, and sometimes these false prophets are meant to test you. As it's written, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 to 5. Like, so, it, oh, that's enticing. It says it's from God, and uh, it's okay if I do this, which I thought always thought was. All right, I'm going to do that. Sometimes they're meant to test you. So, are you really going to follow the God that is revealed to you in Scripture? Or are you going to follow this? And so, it has to line up with what is revealed in Scripture. So I don't know if it says, like, what would be a really ex- common example, like idolatry, right? Don't bow down to other idols. If someone comes and says, oh, you can, you can bow down to other idols. You can worship other gods. Okay, and we're like, yeah, because I really want to, because I really like, you know, the god of sex. I love him. Or the god of money, so I'm going to bow down. Yeah. Okay, so, no. That was just a test for you to see if you're really going to stick to God's word as I clearly revealed. So, Character is important, but also it needs to line up with Scripture. We're reading, memorizing, we need to know what Scripture says. It's not going to go against God's already revealed word, right? 1 Corinthians 14, what I referred to earlier, the purpose of prophecy is for edification, for encouragement, for building people up, not for cutting people down. People think oh, I've got a prophetic word, and they start critiquing and cutting down. No, that isn't, that's not, that's not that. According to scriptures, a prophet would be to build you up. And so if someone says, you know, God told me that, you know, you're just, you're like grumpy all the time, and people don't like you. Uh, no, that's not encouraging, is it? It may be true, but maybe a, a, more, a, a more apt word might be that God loves you for who you are. And that might encourage you to act nicer to other people. But So, these are tests. Encourage and edify and build up the church, because that's what they're meant for. Do they line up with Scripture? Perhaps it's a false one even to test you, because you're just so enticed, you want to go that way. And is their character lined up? There's still a little bit uh, more. Finally, do not quench the Spirit. Do not... Treat prophecies with contempt. Because sometimes we think, I'm not quenching the spirit, but we realize, oh, you know, I have learned with bad experiences to treat prophecies with contempt. I don't agree with that anymore. There is no such thing. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. It must have been happening back in Paul's day, too. Because he said to them, don't do that. But test them. And then hold on to what is good. And reject every kind of evil. I need you to be open to the Spirit. You need me to be open to the Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is God. Of course, we want to be open to God. I don't believe there's anything we need to be afraid of. Our reputation, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of, of people getting, oh, too much. You know, it's, it's too much of God. You know, like, is that a, that's not a thing, right? We don't need to be balanced with God. Like, let's get as much God as possible. We don't need to be afraid that uh, God won't show up. That's not our responsibility. God does not answer every single prayer because he's got something better for us. We just don't know it. So keep asking with boldness if you're asking in line with promises. Don't be afraid that he will show up because he might ask you to do something you don't want to do, but it's going to be good. You just don't know it yet. 
if God weren't good, I wouldn't do this. And if God weren't good, I wouldn't even be here. I would be doing some other job. God is a good, good father. Are you open? I need you to be open to the Spirit. If you have time next weekend, for, I know it's, it's a big commitment. Some of you asked if you can only come for part of it. Like, sure, if you can only, sure. But if you can, Friday night, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Come and learn what it means to be open to the Spirit. Come and learn what's more about what the Scriptures say about the Holy Spirit and how we need more of the Spirit at this church. You know, so many, I get sidetracked, and so you can keep me accountable for this. Sometimes I say, you know what we need? We need better because, like, we need LED lights so we can change the colors, and that's, like, really hot. And sometimes it's like I have a spooky face, right, because it's, like, half shadows. That's what we need. We need LED lights. And I get sidetracked on that. I'm Amazon. It gets, we can get them from China because they're a lot cheaper. Or, you know, we need a bigger TV screen. You know what we need? We need better chairs. Or, you know, we need, like, maybe a paint job. Or that's what we really need. But really, I mean, people down the street, they're not waiting for us to get a better paint job or fancier guitars to come to church. It's, we don't really need that. Of course, I want that. We need more of God. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need more of us, all of us, using the gifts that God has given us to build everyone up. We need you, and you need us. And so are you open, at least, just open to the Spirit? Are you able to take your fears to God and say, I am afraid, just like, can you, is this legit, God? And, and let him take that away, but are you more concerned, will you be more concerned about grieving the Holy Spirit? Uh, quenching. More concerned about quenching the Holy Spirit. If people come and they meet God, if you come and you meet God, you're, you're not going to want to leave. Like, you're not coming because, oh, the, this, there's a guest speaker. I want to be here for the guest speaker. You're going to be here because God is meeting us. And it's not just on Sunday mornings. It's in our families. It's in our youth groups. It's in small groups. It's in Bible studies. We need more of the Spirit. So I need you to be open to the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you that. Will you be open to the Spirit? If you can come, come next weekend. In your notes, you'll see that there's a little bit of homework if you'd like to try it, if you have a, a group that you meet with, or even with your family or something else. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, uh, Paul says, um, do not grieve uh, the Holy Spirit. So again, this must have been a problem in their day as well. So Paul's telling his church, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Look at what is written there in the context the, the verses that are listed for you and say, you know, God, I'm open to you showing to me how I have been grieving the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit because um, of our belief system. We just believe, you know, it's not going to, those things don't exist. There's nothing in the scriptures that say those, those gifts have stopped. They continue working until this day, every single one of them. Sometimes it's, it's uh, our own choices. Like sometimes sin in our lives does grieve the Holy Spirit, and, and it's like a block sometimes. So if you can imagine a pipeline, and a perfectly clean pipeline, water just gushing through, that's Jesus. There's no impediments in there at all. And sometimes we mess up, we make mistakes, we do things, we're disobeying God, we do things that are wrong, and we have all these, like, it's like a clogged artery or something. Or, so the, the flow, it kind of trickles. But God can remove that, whatever it is, those calcium deposits or whatever it is in there. And we won't be completely, completely clean like Jesus was when he did everything he did through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it can flow much quicker, much more fully than it is now. And so sometimes it is. We have barriers. Sometimes it's a belief system. Sometimes it's, it's sin that we have in our lives. And so we just want to, let's take care of that. And that's part of what this Holy Spirit Encounter Weekend will do. Let's, let's do this. 
Okay, let's allow the Spirit to flow through our lives more freely because God is good. He's got good things for us, and we need each other to do this. So let me pray, and then uh, we'll close, and the music team will come up one more time. And uh, as you pray, I want you to ask yourself if you're willing to be open to the Spirit. Heavenly Father, you are a really good God, and I thank you that we can rest in that fact. Thank you that everything belongs to you. Anything we have comes from you. Thank you for all of these good gifts that you've given to us. God, you created us. You created this world. You know how things work. And we want to live according to your will. Thank you that we have the Bible in our own language, and we have lots of translations. That is such a wonderful blessing. Thank you for that. Allow us to learn more of what you've revealed through your scriptures, through the life of Jesus, and even now through your spirit, so we can follow you. God, we need you. Please, come. Fill each and every one of us with your spirit. Fill us with the power to do what you've asked us to do. Fill us with your courage. Fill us with the fruits of the spirit. We need you. We're confessing that to you right now. We're asking you to come fill us. The community here at Cornerstone Alliance Church. With your spirit.